Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Is between you and me, I make this look good. We don't have time for these games. Games? Did someone say games? And perchance, for interest's sake, a deadly game? To the game. existed since prehistoric times. It was worshipped by primitive cultures. It can kill a man with one crushing bite. We heard a man was bit in half. Any recent bear attacks? Bears don't attack people underwater. Probably a fever then. What was that? Whatever's out there, who shot with this, he's dead. Oh no. Sheriff, how many deputies you got? You came here to help you find it. We can't let him kill it. Experience a few parts mystery. Do you have any theories why he's here? Honestly, I don't know. And a few parts... <laughs> ...missing. It's a human toe. Is this the man who was killed? He seemed taller. Oh my god. Bill Pullman. Shoot him! No! How much of a wacko is this guy? Bridget Fonda. Mother! Oliver Platt. Maybe swam back up! Maybe not. I just have this feeling everything's totally safe. This summer, the Earth's oldest creature has just found a new home. Lake Placid. And welcome back to Inside Movies Galore for another uh, a week of uh, discussing movies. And uh, we have Admiral April coming up, uh, where um, today Dustin is hosting the show. Dustin, why don't yeah. you, what movie is in store for us? So, well, we've got one of my favorite movies to kick off Animal April. So, 
it's tonight's feature was Lake Placid. So the director of Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3 takes us back to the woods and back to a lake for, well, more mayhem. <laughs> so essentially a paleontologist, a fish and wildlife guy, and a sheriff team up to investigate an animal attack in a lake in Maine. Which turns out to have a really big crocodile living in there. So it's basically that episode of the X-Files from season 3. Uh, it's got a lot of pretty scary moments, balanced with a lot of really funny jokes. Like, it is awesome. Uh, it's, it came out in 1999. Uh, sort of sort of feeling like a double bill with Deep Blue Sea. Like, they both came out what feels like kind of around the same time. And they were fairly they were fairly different movies. Like, Deep Blue Sea took itself kind of seriously, but this just, like, had fun. And, oh, man, I love this movie. So... Uh, it was one of the first Shout Factory titles I ever pre-ordered. I think it might have been my first pre-order poster, uh, back when I started collecting. Because <laughs> so, I saw it in the 90s, and saw it again, you know, right when Shout Factory offered it. And in the last two days, I've seen it twice. So, nothing but good things to say. <laughs> but, uh, let's see, who do we have tonight? So, we've got Dave. Hello. Katie. Hi. Yeah, Kitty's Kitty's not feeling well, so uh, we're gonna. I'm not. Go I sound terrible. <laughs> yeah, go uh, easy on me, please. Yeah. So just uh, if you don't hear a lot from Katie, there's a very good reason. So be nice. <laughs> uh, then we've got Jake. Hi. And Brandon. Yo. So well, let's see. How do we kick this off? So uh, well, first of all, I mean. We're going to be talking about the plot, so this is your spoiler warning. I mean, the movie is 20 years old, so if you haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, uh, well, with that out of the way, so let's kind of jump right to uh, everybody else's first impressions. Uh, how about how about we go down the line of Dave, starting with Dave? All right, everyone. My name is David, and uh, we know. I, I, well, the audience might not know who I am. Well, you said it twice. Sometimes I don't know who I am, but anyways, uh, <laughs> moving on to my first impressions of a late classic. Well, I did not see this in the theater. Um, I actually saw this on TV, so I actually more thought of this as a made-for-TV movie. But I, I realized that this actually got a theatrical release of some sort, so, uh, so. You know, it was sort of a big deal when it came out. Like, I remember a lot of ads and stuff. Well, and, um, uh, the first time I watched it, I, I remember jumping, at, at least at, at one or two, uh, two, but, uh, but I remember it for the comedy, uh, more, uh, more, more or less, uh, because this is kind of like a horror comedy, in a sense, so. Oh, yeah. Um, but, Definitely. um, I really liked it my first uh, time ar around, and I, I really enjoyed the, uh, this time ar around uh, too, because I, I love Oliver Platt. I mean, he is a phenomenal act actor uh, for being a heavier set man, and uh, I, I just, it, it's like nostalgia, See, seeing Bill Pullman um, and the guy who is playing uh, playing in Mr. Mercedes right now uh, is uh, even he's a little bit younger in here. So, <laughs> but other than that, I I have all good things uh, for this uh, movie. So uh, carry on. 
Alright, uh, how about we uh, get get to you, Katie? So, just give us your best shot. Yeah, well, this was a, actually a first-time watch for me, surprisingly. Wow. I, I also remember it coming out. You know, it's a movie that I remember hearing about, but just for whatever reason, never made the watch list. And we didn't own it, uh, but Ryan did want to pick it up because he liked it. Liked, liked, seen it before and liked it, and so he wanted to pick it up and have it in the collection. So came in the mail on Saturday, and we watched it, and... Um, I thought it was an easy watch. It was a pretty quick movie. I think it's not even 90 minutes long. It's like actually. 82, I think, yeah. Yeah, so it was a quick watch, which was good. Um, and I like horror comedies anyways, so any anything along those lines usually will be something I enjoy. And I did enjoy this one. It doesn't take itself too seriously, I don't think. Um, but if I were to look at it like a serious film... I think it was kind of a mess. Like, I, I have a feeling if Dane was here, he could really pick it apart. But since I'm not a filmmaker, I don't have that same perspective. I just feel like a filmmaker would totally pick this movie apart. Because there was a lot of things about it that kind of didn't make sense. Uh, but overall, it was a fun watch. Um, I would watch it again. I enjoyed, surprisingly, the... Um, crocodile aspect like normally that wouldn't be something that would interest me that much but i kind of dug it in this film so overall i liked it mm, i thought it was kind of bulletproof i'm i'm not sure what's what could be wrong with it although i am pretty well, biased, so. well just in terms of like why they make certain decisions and what you know it's without getting too into it right now i can talk more about it later but i felt like the writing might not have been the best. I'm just slightly bewildered. Uh, well, we'll get to it later. Uh, you're up, Jake. Alright, um, I honestly do not recall precisely how many times I've seen this film. Uh, Brandon might be able to fill in better my first experience, because I know he showed it to me the first time, but I can't remember when it was a few years what, maybe three or four years ago? Uh, I feel like I've maybe seen it since then. And so this is probably the second, but maybe the third viewing. Uh, I've liked it from the start. Um, the biggest flaw with the movie is that miracle exception that you have to get over of, yeah, this could never happen. As long as you suspend your disbelief on that, I think it's a, it hangs together pretty well for the most part. Um, I personally love the writing. The banter between the characters is very uh, memorable. Um, the banter, particularly between Blen Brendan Gleeson as the sheriff and uh, Oliver Platt as the crazy crocodile hunter. Um, and actually one exposure that many people, many, 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 many people have is of course you had that one part where he says you're supposed to say go. That was in how how many hundreds of times have we seen that commercial? <laughs> but uh, the uh, the most memorable part easily is Betty White. But <laughs> yeah, she she hits you over the head pretty hard. It's a fun movie. Yeah. All right, Brandon. Well, I saw this a little ways back. Uh, I know the first time that I saw it all the way through was about 
or actually more than that, uh, probably about a year or two after its release uh, on the TV. Um, I didn't think much of it at the time. I was just another uh, Monster Eats type movie. Um, I had just gotten into collecting at the time. But 15 years ago, I finally wanted to go ahead and get it because I got really into the whole, um, well, kind of almost cheesy type monster films uh, like this or uh, Deep Blue Sea for that matter. Um, and I really uh, did enjoy it my next uh, watch through. And I've watched it a few times since then. And like I said, I know I've... I know I showed it to Jacob. I think we did. Did we do that as a part of our as our of our movie uh, exposure? I know we had a game where we would try and expose each other to movies that uh, we normally would not have uh, watched otherwise. So I knew he wouldn't have watched this on his own. Uh, <laughs> he even ran away. <laughs> what? What did? Oh, shit, where'd he go? He heard me talking about it, and he, he ran away. He was too afraid of the movie. Um, but otherwise, Betty White in this movie is what I remember from the beginning to the first time. Even, uh, of course, her iconic line, which I'm not even sure is safe to say, considering you're trying to be on YouTube. All of her lines are pretty iconic. Like she has, she has such a dirty mouth in this. It's kind of amazing that they got her to say that stuff. Uh, and Betty White's like super much like a sailor. Cusses like a sailor. She's a kind of crab. She's earned that right. Well, anybody can be however they want, but like, yeah, that's just part of her shtick. Hey, Brandon, I think you were asking a question and I accidentally kicked myself off the air. What happened? <laughs> uh, I was talking about the uh, movie exchange that we had. I thought it was a part of that when we uh, did it. Uh, I, I don't think it was. I'm trying to remember if it was a game night viewing or if it was late night your wife said, let's watch this. I can't remember. I don't think my wife would have said that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, for me, it's hard to it's hard to imagine people not liking this movie. So it's it's tough for me to process. It's like it's like Lake Placid. Yeah, I'm always down. And yet, critics panned it, and it has a five seven IMDb rating. Well, they suck. So yeah, like what is what's something awful that they gave a high rating to? Uh. It does not meet the Adventureland standard. Well, they said Venom was bad, bad, and I liked that. So, they're wrong. <laughs> uh, but now that we've kind of gotten that out of the way, so, uh, getting to the plot, like, the plot's a little, a little thin, like, but it's pretty straightforward, so I guess it kind of has to be a little thin. Like, what do you guys think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the thing is, like, to avoid this alligator, like, they've been avoiding it, or crocodile, like, they've been avoiding it for the last however long. Just don't go there. 
like until everybody comes to the lake, nobody's really getting killed. <laughs> Everything was fine well, until everybody showed up. That's um, not what Toronto the very beginning where, uh, where you got the sh uh, sheriff guy and the scuba diver who goes uh, down and evidently they're looking at the ecosystem and uh, it, it's like a little bit later he, he gets half eaten and half of his bo bo body still grips the sheriff <laughs> yeah, that was pretty intense. That was uh, that was an intense beginning. So yeah, it kind of set the tone too for the kind of movie that this is because he's he's doing like a survey for beaver, like he's he's diving to check out like the beaver lodges, and there's some like there's some I don't remember exactly what it is, but he makes some joke, dumb joke about like checking the beaver, and it's like, ha, oh, we get it, Ugh. Uh, and then he's brutally killed. <laughs> Well, the um, thin plot does help because it is a short movie, and it's a fast-moving movie, and I think that's one of the good things about it is um, is that it, it moves quickly, it doesn't drag, and the, if they had gotten really complicated with the plot, that might have started dragging it down just a bit. Oh yeah, plot would a heavy plot would definitely not benefit this film. Yeah, it does keep its energy up pretty consistently and just, like, keeps moving. Like, it does not have, like, any dull moments. I mean, there are a couple there are a couple kind of breaks in the action, but maybe not a whole lot, so... That is, I think, one of the strengths, now that you guys mention it. Because I, I didn't exactly notice that all the times I've seen it before. It's like, oh yeah, I guess this would move pretty quick. Because, I mean, I just I have such a good time, I kind of don't notice, you know? Um, but, um... Uh, Anyway, so a good portion of the movie revolves around them trying to figure out, like, what killed the diver. Like, they don't find out it's a crocodile for quite a while. Like, they get kind of allusions to it for, uh, does anybody remember exactly when the crocodile first appears on camera? It was after, I know it was after the Daredevil guy shows up, because uh, he had that, he already voiced his suspicion it was there before it was there. Oh, and also the paleontologist is like, oh, if he's here, then he thinks it's a crocodile. Yeah. You know, he knew what was going on, too. But yeah, I think that might have been when they first showed it. Yeah, that's, uh, this movie does have kind of a, an absurd setup, too. Like, so they, they retrieve a tooth from the guy's body, and they send it to a museum. I think it's, what, New York? Yeah. Yeah, but they send it to the museum that she works for. And it's like, oh, go to go to Maine and check this out. And there's like this ridiculous sort of subplot for like why she gets sent away, which I thought yeah, that was pretty funny. That was uh, that was kind of what uh, what set the tone for uh, for uh, her particular character. But uh, but if you noticed, her best friend happened to be um, uh, like her boyfriend dumped her. Yeah, how she gets dumped by Alan Arkin. Like, oh, you poor thing, you. <laughs> Miss Hargitay, uh, Mariska Hargitay, who just so happens to be um, uh, the daughter Martin. of a legend actor. <laughs> um, she on like CSI also. Yep, she's uh, she's yeah. on uh, sp uh, yeah, SVU. Uh, yeah, I I just called her Olivia from SVU. Like I I had forgotten the actress's actual name. <laughs> like. <laughs> Who was in uh, the bloody pit of horror? Uh, 
so. <laughs> I just love that. It's like, you broke up with me. I know. What do you mean you know? Um, well, the heart wants what the heart wants, and it's, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, go, go to Maine for a few days. It's like, oh, you're just trying to get rid of me, huh? Go to Maine for a few days. So yes. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's if that's more character or plot, but yeah. Anyway, so and um, well, I guess that kind of bleeds into characters. So we're kind of introduced to our characters like as the plot unfolds because it just moves so fast. So we meet the fishing <laughs> guy, who's kind of the battling. What's happening? A very Bill Pullman-esque Bill Pullman. Yeah, he's, he's basically just Bill Pullman in this, huh? Yeah. He's a little less, um, a, a, a little less old-looking uh, uh, than he looked in Independence Day 2, right? This would have been two years post-Independence Day, so more in that vein. Which very had the 90-ness feel of this movie. Well, it's from 99. So, yeah. Brendan Gleeson doing a tolerable American accent as the local sheriff, and he did a good job. Um, like I said, I like the interplay with him and Platt with Hector Sear, I guess is how you say his name. Yeah, he's like, uh, he felt like a poor man's, like, um, Jeff Goldblum a little bit in this one. Yeah, yeah. So he's a, uh, when it's suspected that there's a crocodile in the lake, uh, this eccentric crocodile researcher shows up, like with a helicopter and a bunch of gear, and there's kind of, a lot of the comedy comes from him and the sheriff just, like, hating each other, which, uh, there's some pretty great jokes there. Well, he was like the swarthy love child of uh, Ian Malcolm and um, uh, Steve Irwin's very strange character. <laughs> I kept wanting to go Jack. I kept wanting to say Jack Black for some reason. He does look kind of like Jack Black, doesn't he? <laughs> At least he did to me. They were thinking Jack Black from King Kong. We did cover it last week. <laughs> well, we didn't cover the Jack Black King Kong. Which would have kind of been nice. That's, that's a good remake. There's always that in the future. <laughs> well, maybe. See, there's a month idea. Remake, uh, remake month. <laughs> so, well, anyway, um, as the plot progresses, there's definitive proof that it is indeed a crocodile. Um, so some, one of the deputies gets his head bitten off. During their attempts to alert, like nobody sees the crocodile, but like the audience, we see it, but the characters don't because it happens like so fast. Um, and then when what's that, Jake? Oh, um, never mind. <sighs> I totally lost my place. <laughs> The dude lost his head. Ah, yeah. Um, like, we we only get our first... We get our first really good look at the crocodile when uh, Sheriff and Professor... As I forget these guys' names. Goddamn. Um, 
So the professor has been putting like traps all around the camp just in case like the crocodile comes after them like in the night, which is honestly a pretty good idea. And like one of my favorite running gags is that the sheriff just keeps like blundering into like these snare traps. Like he, how many traps does he get caught in? Like three, four, something like that. At least three. I like the way he picks up the stick and decides to go right after the guy afterwards. <laughs> oh, it's like one of the best. That's one of the best jokes too. It's like because the guy gets his head bitten off. Like there's a very serious scene. It's like you know, I know you're weird and that you can't help it, but leave me alone. And the sheriff immediately like steps into a trap. And like the professor is like, you know, I'd, I'd. He's talking to the other guys. It's like, you know, I'd, I'd cut him down, but he has this odd look of mayhem in his eyes. Like he wants to hurt me. It's like, if he cuts you down, are you gonna do any? Are you gonna hurt him? It's like, I'm not interested in even looking at him ever again. When they cut him down, he lands kind of hard. When he picks up that branch, it's like I lied. <laughs> Momentarily attacked by a bear, but uh, sucks to be that bear, right? That was the first time they got a good look at it, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, like, this bear, like, runs out of the woods and is like, Roar, I'm a bear! But it has its back to the water, and the crocodile just, like, jumps out and pulls it under. Like, what do you guys think of that? Oh, I love that. That, that was just a great contrast. <laughs> when you've got the big bear that, that's ferocious, a king of the hunters there, rearing up, you think to yourself, the, now there was a little bit of foreshadowing to it, so that you, if you thought about it, you would you could predict what was going to happen. But at the same time, it's just that funny thing, like, this is going to be the uh, thing that takes them out in this scene or tries to take them out, but then it gets uh, taken out by the uh, crocodile. <laughs> I wonder if they ripped off that sequence in Jurassic World. Oh, they Maybe. Maybe. You're talking about the part where they killed the Tyrannosaurus Rex? Uh, the, the Indominus Rex, like, they, they, they defeat the villain dinosaur in that one by kind of, like, driving it back to the edge of the Mosasaur exhibit, and the thing just, like, jumps out and grabs it. <laughs> uh, It'd be funny if they made an, I would be cool if they made a nod to this doing that, but who knows. And then, uh, again, the biggest character of all. You have Miss Dolores Bickman, Bickerman, I believe. <laughs> on the edge of the lake. Oh, I thought you were I thought you were going on about that. Oh, no, I was giving Ariel Notes a chance to, sorry. But, <laughs> but yeah, she also had some really good interplay with the sheriff uh, Officer Fugmeat. Yeah, I, I, I remember her, uh, when she first came, to, uh, and then uh, they said that uh, they were going to use tents. <laughs> and uh, she was like, what do you mean tents? I thought we were going to use, uh, I thought we were at least going uh, going to like a, uh, some kind of a motel or hotel or something like that. Not tents. You said camping. I thought you meant Ramada Inn, not, you know, outside. <laughs> So you, you get the impression that uh, the paleontologist character, she doesn't really go outside a whole lot, and she even kind of she even she has like a character moment where she kind of admits that it's like, 
you know, I'm I'm having a good time here. Despite okay, the I wanted to make a point about her. Go ahead. I felt like her character in general, um, and most of the female characters kind of seemed like idiots, or either like bitches or stupid. Bimbos. Was kind of, yeah, like, that was kind of the, the theme, for, which was, in a way, sort of a throwback to, like, some of the 80s horror comedies where, um, I don't know, maybe there wasn't as much um, Everything was just agency bad. to the female characters. I mean, I, I, I'm even reminded of, like, Angry Red Planet, where the one female character, like, brings her purse to Mars with her. You know, so, things like that, where... Especially Bridget Fonda's character just seemed very... I don't know, she was always complaining about something. <laughs> well, it was um, it was more so, um, I think, that just, like... You could... Yeah. It was mostly, like, camping complaints and stuff that she had, though. It's like, ah, oh, there are bugs! Oh, where are the toilets? Yeah, okay. She, she makes a point that she is... She makes a point that she is, uh, you know... Eh, I keep getting distracted by that. She's in New York. Yeah, you know, she's she's in the city all the time. She's a city girl. So, like, she even uh, had, you know, roughing it, you know, in a hotel, and she names kind of like a crummier. Never gone <laughs> high, never gone camping, never got bitten by a mosquito. <laughs> well, no, I, I thought she had a good character moment where she was like, you know, I'm I'm always like, you know, observing from afar, you know, I, I never get to go out and do anything. So, I, you know, I thought she had a little bit of growth there. Um, I think she did have a bit of growth, but I kind of agree with Katie's point. Like, it it felt to me, her and also the uh, female deputy, I think her name was uh, Deputy Gary, uh, Gary, however you say that. Yeah. They, both of them were pretty weak characters for the most part. Kelly grew as, the, as it went on, but I've seen Bridget Fonda do better. Um, I felt like uh, Betty White's character had a lot of strength, but she was, you know, an old cantankerous bitch. But she had a lot of personal strength that the other two lacked, I thought. And then, of course, you had uh, Platt's character, which was incredibly chauvinistic and said a lot of really uh, off-color things to both of the females. <laughs> Uh, he's be like a weirdo, um, but yeah, even even then, it was still kind of like, eh, calm, calm down, dude. Jeez. I mean, uh, Betty White's character in that particular uh, in the particular one was uh, a much different take, uh, a much better take. But for her, it was not that far off. I mean, if anyone is familiar with some of her earlier work, uh, or even her work when she, she was on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. She really kind of played a shade of that character. The, uh, the character that acts all nice and wholesome on the surface, but is very snarky and, uh, and judgmental. She <laughs> very much played off her character on Golden Girls, very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like I'd, I'd never seen like a character quite like that before. Uh, so, for those who don't know, um, Betty White is this old plays this old lady who lives in kind of like a farm, like at the edge of the lake, uh, and she's been feeding the crocodile for six years. <laughs> so, and it, it even got her husband. 
pretty, uh, it, it's basically like her pet. Like, it's kind of, it's weird. It's pretty cool, but it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like she's the, uh, she's the one who started it all, in, in, in a sense. You know, you, you get that feeling like, uh, like she uh, she knew exactly what what was going to happen anyways you know <laughs> she was the she was the thing that I missed the most out of the sequels <laughs> I haven't seen all the sequels like there's one where they basically have her sister be like her character except her sister is like intentionally like pushing people into the lake you know whereas Betty White is kind of ambivalent in this like she doesn't help anybody get killed, but she doesn't really warn anyone either. She comes off as very polite at the beginning, and then each time you see her, she reveals things she had not mentioned before. There's like the part where they, they you know, and then as she goes on, she gets more uh, colorful in her language as well. It's like one of my favorite parts is the, do you know how your husband died? Oh, yes, I killed him. <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> like, she just wants him to leave the crocodile alone, you know? <laughs> Which uh, I can kind of relate to, uh, being a reptile fan. But uh, there's a line. <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to a 30-some foot saltwater crocodile. So that thing was... Yeah, it's kind of dangerous to just have that loose uh, in a place like Maine. I did get that Indiana Jones vibe when they got towards that uh, point of what they were going to do with the crocodile. I felt like the uh, I felt like the paleontologist was like, "It belongs in a museum. <laughs> it belongs on display somewhere. <laughs> uh, it belongs somewhere." <laughs> But, um, well, eventually after, you know, like, they figure out... One thing that was kind of nice about, like, Betty White's character's background on the crocodile is that, like, they don't they don't explain, like, where it came from. And it's one of those things, it's like, well, it, I thought that was pretty realistic, because it's like, well, it's just a mystery. Uh, and they didn't try to, like, shoehorn any kind of, like, reasoning into it. It's like, oh, the crocodile just kind of showed up one day. And it's like, well, you know, if this actually happened, yeah, it's... The, pretty much what it would be like. She's just an eccentric hermit who found a pet and likes having the pet around. <laughs> just followed them home one day. Of course, she thinks it's just her pet dog Rex. Indignant, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, but everyone else is so indignant about it. It's like, I like this, like, she's like, Murders and rapes in the city? People bomb planes? Can the police stop them? No! The feed wonderful powdered crocodile. <laughs> your, your priority's kind of off there, lady. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so after that, uh, we kind of just rush right into our finale, where instead of... They're going to try to capture the crocodile to relocate it rather than just, like, blow it away. Uh, the sheriff keeps bragging about this, like, fancy gun he has. Like, he... It's basically, like... I did some digging into it. It's, it's like, a prop gun that they made for the movie. Like, it doesn't actually exist. But it's basically, like, a grenade-slash-rocket launcher. 
And he's like, I can't wait to shoot the crocodile with it. Uh, and that's... It's not exactly a running gag, but... He, he talks about it a fair amount. Uh, and so they... They hatch a scheme to... Try to... Like, lure the crocodile onto land and, like, trank it. So that they can, like, relocate it. And... By the time... It more or less goes... That, he, he almost doesn't use it. <laughs> okay, that was, that was a nice moment for him. Like, they... Uh, we won't spoil, like, the exact details, but, um, they managed to capture the crocodile. Not with the equipment they originally intended to do it with, um, but they get it. And the sheriff is like, oh, look, it's suffering, and he's like, yeah, I get to shoot my gun. And there's, like, a sad shot of, like, the crocodile looking like, just, well, sad. (laughs) And, like, sad music plays. And somebody's like, shoot it! And the sheriff is like, really? <laughs> Sometimes you gotta put old yeller down. And then there's, there's a surprise in that scene, too, though. Um, there are two crocodiles. <laughs> and he, he blasts the shit out of that, out of the second one. And this was something I noticed. So I did a I did a fair amount of like looking into like the crocodile biolo- biology in this, um, and so the really big crocodile um, that would be the male crocodile because uh, like crocodiles have like the sexual dimorphism. Like males are much much larger than females because they defend a territory that the females like live it live within. So. Uh, I thought they did a good job of making, like, the second, the female, like, s- proportionately smaller than that giant male, um, which ties into, you know, the very last shot is, you know, they're, they've car- they're carting the surviving crocodile away, like on a flatbed truck, and Betty White's just, like, sitting at the edge of her dock, like, throwing bread cu- crumbs to baby crocodiles. And so I, I thought that was a really nice kind of twist near the end, but, um... When he when he gets to fire when he fires that gun like that is that was one hell of an explosion it's like to the point like where did he get that like why does he have it <laughs> you know <laughs> well some people I mean uh, I really feel like that was a play on the old school elephant guns that people used to bring on safari uh, which. It's not all that different in some ways, but it wouldn't have resulted in such a nice explosion. It was a pretty believable explosion, too. Not to mention, this is Morocco, where everyone has the right to have a grenade launcher, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Your child doesn't have a gun in the state of Texas. (laughs) uh, That's pretty much it for the plot and the characters. Um, well, does the crocodile itself count as a character? I feel like we're... Well, I guess we'll, we'll cover we'll cover them in, in the effects, which is where we're going right now. So, what do you guys think of the effects overall? Like, good for what it was doing. Yeah. Well, there was more Stan Winston work, which obviously has to be appreciated, and he did um, build an animatronic um, crocodile, and also the cow, when they're lowering the cow down from the, the helicopter as bait. 
that was uh, like an animatronic cow, which looked really, really good. I thought they, I thought they, I thought that was a live cow. So, got me. <laughs> See, I told you, really good. Yeah. The making of this film. <laughs> well, uh, Dustin, I know you have a herpetological background, so you can tell me if I'm off on this, but I felt like they did a really good job. I think they said in the course of the film that it was an Indo-Pacific or saltwater crocodile, as they call them, and I thought they did a good job of making it look like a saltwater crocodile. They really oh, yeah, did. I, did. I, I looked it up, too, and it's like, yeah, yeah, saltwater crocodile, because um, the crocodiles... I think the saltwater crocodile, saltwater crocodile and Nile crocodile are the only ones that get close to that size. And the jaws, the jaws looked right for a saltwater crocodile. Like, I feel like they had a little bit of like they took a little bit of artistic liberty with it, like with the skin patterning. Uh, but it was it was pretty convincing. Uh, yeah, one that size probably would have been a little less patterned. Uh, <laughs> But, um, but with the heavy jaws, like the really heavy jaws and the, the heavy body overall, it, not all of them, because you, you know, I think Nile is one of the slender ones, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, that, that sounds right. I'm picturing a Nile crocodile in my head, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of less blocky. But, um, I mean, yeah, the, the crocodile was just, great like it's all it's there were only a few cg shots in here and for the most part those hold up pretty well I and mean, you can kind of tell because suddenly it gets like super like blurry uh but like the practical effects just like knock it out of the park um uh, plus we get well we do get like a handful of like severed heads and the second the second Human severed head looked a little phony to me. That's that's I think my only gripe with the effects. Like, what about you guys? Eh, it was good. I mean, to me, I didn't mind whether it was. Uh, it was enough to keep the realism without it going too far out of the realism. All things considered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was willing to suspend my disbelief uh, for the concept of a crocodile in Maine. That, that had grown to that size. I couldn't do that. <laughs> um, uh, the saltwater, croco saltwater crocodiles do sometimes go into the ocean, and one as big as that probably would be able to swim an impressive distance, but it's kind of... Uh, it's probably for the best they didn't try to explain it, because pretty much any explanation they had would have poked some holes in the movie. That would have taken a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty much, all, pretty much all, all the crocodiles, I read, um, I think 45 degrees Fahrenheit is the temperature at which they kind of pass out from it being too cold. And, oh, that's an American crocodile, but they're at least as cold tolerant as a saltwater croc. But um, alligators are much more cold tolerant, but they'd be harder, I guess, for people to buy a 30-foot alligator. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you need to be you need to be a monster, like an actual monster, like the one from well, alligator. <laughs> to be yeah, they, have the, they have the stories of the alligators in the sewers. You could always bring up a derivative of that. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe uh, it, there was so much uh, toxic waste in the New York sewers that it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know I love that movie so. 
<laughs> I give it a pass. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a decent, um, a decent jump in between the, uh, in the, between the knowing that uh, that part of the alligator was at least animatronic, and uh, you, you could definitely tell that there was some CGI used. So uh, uh, the uh, the thing is, a lot of films tend to. Um, rely on jump scares a lot. Um, and uh, how does everyone feel that the jump scares were in this film? I thought they were pretty. Uh, I thought they were pretty well implemented because it's mostly like surprise thing. It's like um, I can't say I, I've been I've been too desensitized. It wasn't enough to cause me to jump uh, at all, so I can't really say. Uh, they'd have to try harder for me. <laughs> well, I mean, the movie, it's kind of hard to classify the scares, because, I mean, most of its scares are just kind of like jump scares like that. Um, but I think they, I think they work pretty well overall, because, I mean, most of the movie, like, you're just laughing, you're having a good time, and then it's like, oh, crap, what's that? You know, so, I, I think I'd, I think I'd give the jump scares a pass. I mean, it, they were Typically, I hate jump scares, like, so much, um, but I didn't mind any of these, so that should, that should tell you something. I think most of them that were used made sense, like the, like the clock coming out to get the bear. I mean, that's, like, unexpected, but it's logical. It makes sense in the course of the story, and it's not just there to make you jump, you know? Yeah, or when the guy gets his head bit off because he's pulling in the crocodile lure from over the side of the boat, like, the croc just wham, destroys the lure, and just happens to get the guy at the same time. Like, it's almost more like an accident, but you don't see it hap- but you don't see it coming. Like, you expect, you expect the crocodile to, like, hit the lure, but you don't see the guy to get, you don't expect the guy to get, like, caught up in it, too, so it's kind of like, ah. Uh. And that sort of leads to, you know, this thing, this movie had a lot of running gags. Like, I think another another good one related to that guy losing his head was the, you know, stop throwing heads at me. Like, what you guys think of that? I felt, I felt that slap came out of nowhere. So I'll admit that that did take me off guard. <laughs> so, uh, well, when they first uh, when they first arrive. Um, they're just kind of, like, scouting around the area, like, in a rowboat, and they're like, oh, what's that? And the sheriff, like, picks something up out of the water and kind of, like, tosses it and kind of, like, drops it into the boat, and it's, like, a moose head, and, um, Bridget Fonda's character is like, ah! And she, like, slaps him, and he's like, what the hell? And it's like, you threw it at me! It's like, I didn't throw it at you, I just dropped it! It's like, you threw it at me! It's like, stop... Yeah, and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. How she just kind of like panics at like little th- at like little things. Um, it's kind of a never like running gag that I liked in that in that scene too. It's like Bill Pullman's character, like when they first meet, like they don't really like each other very much, and so he's just he just keeps calling her ma'am. I think because it like visibly pisses her off. He's like, ma'am, calm down. Stop calling me ma'am. Um, she gets, like, multiple heads thrown at her, too. Like, there's, like, later in the woods, like, they're just kind of walking around, and, like, she bumps into something, and a head just kind of, like, flies off screen. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I think it goes back to what Katie had said about her playing that sort of stereotyped female character. Uh, that she, I mean, and I don't know why. There's two movies that that really come to mind whenever I think of her character. One is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, and the it. other one is uh, Romancing the Stone. Okay. I've never seen that, but I get the Temple of Doom thing. Like, she's... Uh, I don't think she's as bad as Billy in Temple of Doom. Uh, who's just kind of there to, like, scream. Like, at least she does other stuff. But uh, as for her complaints with, like, you know... People keep throwing heads at me, like... That's pretty much how I would probably react to. <laughs> so I, I kind of related a little bit to that, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's kind of fucked up. Mm -hmm. I can never really relate to people throwing severed heads at me, so I, I can't really say. Well, I'm worried about the, uh, the surprise <laughs> and, indig and indignation about it. It's like, why do they keep getting heads thrown at me? Well, Tell me. at least she got some head. Yes. <laughs> but uh, what are some of the other effects? Uh, mostly explosions. Good explosions, right? Oh, yeah. I be proud. Uh, well, moving on to the music. So, did you guys really notice the music that much? Well, the song that uh, was being played on the boat in the very beginning that he was listening to and it was a seven, like a 60s so, uh, song. I forget exactly what song it was. But then there's the uh, the song that was being played uh, 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 being played while uh, Oliver Platt's character was dancing with the cops, and uh, which was kind of a, a funny mo a moment uh, because uh, the sheriff thought that he was just you know, around when he was actually trying to attract the crocodile. <laughs> okay, yeah, they're attracted to noise, so we're throwing a party. I like the use of the Bob Marley song at the end. That was fun. Hey, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think the music was pretty lean, too, like the stuff that they composed for like the action scenes. So... Like, it wasn't one of those scores that really hit you in the face, except for, like, those, like, licensed songs that were used kind of for, like, the comedic punch. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I, I, th I think that this uh, movie wasn't really meant to have, uh, like, a big, gigantic score. You know, I, I think that, uh, that it was just funky enough and co comedic enough that, okay, let's just, uh, uh, let's just throw the oddest song in here. Or uh, 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 let's just throw this in here uh, here for a gag, you know. So makes me makes me think of like Far Cry Five, um, where the song like "Only You" is like a plot point thing. It's like uh, or the song um, uh, the song from uh, uh, Fallen. Uh, was it Fallen? Uh, mm -hmm. They uh, they played a Rolling Stones hit. Uh, through the whole entire thing, I think. Or was it a, a, a time to die or something? Kind of thing. But uh, they used the theme. 
Yeah, well, anyway, what was everybody's favorite scene? So I'll go last, so I don't step on any of those toes. Well, there's a favorite phrase, and I, every time I see this or think about the series, and I've watched all the movies except for uh, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Well, there's uh, one called Legacy that's after that one, too, so... I've watched all of them so far, as, other than that one. That one I skipped for some reason. <laughs> but, yeah, there, are, there are a lot for some reason. Any, any of the scenes with Betty White would be my favorites. Uh, her, her line, Officer Fuck Me, I don't know why, that just, <laughs> that just sticks with me. Uh, every time I hear Lake Placid, that's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> Oh, well, she's she's pretty hard to forget. So that's that's, that's a pretty solid pick. Uh, who's next? Oh, go ahead. Honestly, I'd have to agree. Generally, those scenes were my favorites. There are a couple other good parts here and there, but um, generally, yeah, the <laughs> Betty White scenes are the most memorable. I too enjoyed the Betty White scenes. I thought she was funny, and I also uh, I really liked that scene with the bear. That surprised mm -hmm. me. I was not expecting the whole bear thing. So of course, as soon as the bear got grabbed up by the crocodile, that was pretty amazing. So that might be my favorite. <laughs> I would have to say. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Betty White uh, White scenes, but uh, but um, I also liked the um, Oliver Platt Plat scene where he was uh, he was uh, dancing uh, dancing in the ca uh, camp uh, thing, and, the, uh, the, and then he's like, uh, "But can, uh, can the officer stay? We were kind of going to try to thing to make." <laughs> <laughs> and like the sheriff just kind of looks at like the female deputy and is like, "Get out of here!" And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> That sort of that sort of sets up the conflict between them. It's like these two characters really just are so opposite, <laughs> but um, well, that that really contributed a lot to it. Like his relationship with her was a little weird. It's like this doughy Jack Black shows up and I don't know. It was it was we had I think a, a boatload of money. Oh, I guess so, but, yeah. This helicopter was cool. I liked the crocodile hide paint on that. <laughs> I thought so. Uh, and when they put the, the cow in the, uh, that, uh, that uh, crane uh, thing on the helicopter, that, uh, that's what kind of reminded me of Jurassic Park when they were feeding the, <laughs> the uh, velociraptors or, or, what, or whatnot. <laughs> Um, uh, for some reason, I, I thought my mind went home. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so they're uh, just trying to attract it to feed it. And uh, it's not showing up like the dinosaurs didn't. <laughs> um, it's kind of like uh, John Hammond's classic line Who's hungry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite scene because I just I just enjoy this movie so much overall. Uh, I think I'm gonna try to name some. I think I'm gonna go with something that hasn't really been like touched on yet. 
So part of the professor's character is that he likes to like swim with the crocodiles. Um, they're sort they give sort of a convoluted kind of explanation for it. It's like a spiritual thing for him or whatever. Um, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll just do it this time." And as soon as like he encounters the crocodile in the water, he's like, "Oh, this was a bad idea this time." So and I liked how he got out of that. Where, uh, like, he's just kind of, like, slowly going back, like, swimming back to the helicopter, and, like, he distracts the crocodile by, like, he pulls out, like, his emergency raft thing, and, you know, when that, like, pops a little while, the crocodile goes for it and gives him, like, time to escape. Like, it still attacks the helicopter, but they get away, like, um, that kind of helps with, I think, the fun factor of this movie is that, like, the kills that are there, the kills that are there are pretty vi are fairly violent, but there aren't a whole lot of them. So it's kind of like it's more of like an adventure movie, um, in terms of like the low body count. So I, I think I like I think I'm gonna go with that as my favorite scene that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> and then uh, of course, this movie has. One hell of a history of sequels, which, uh, my last count was three sequels for this, like, all, like, sci-fi channel, uh, let's just say not great quality. So, uh, it's not, I think Brandon knows, and Jake know a lot more about the sequels, so. Technically, there are seven, if I Captain? Well, yeah. Uh, there's, like, last of one through three, and then there's, uh, uh, of course, the uh, then they thought that they were going to have the last, uh, uh, the last and final um, uh, Lake Placid. Then they did the uh, the Lake Placid versus um, Anaconda, which I have not seen. But uh, but uh, Anaconda got kind of out of control with like crap sequels too. Well, and then um, of course, uh, then they went back. Went and di uh, did the Lake Placid Legacy, which was the recent one. So, uh, so I have not seen, I have not uh, seen Final through Legacy, and I still have to pick up Legacy myself. So, uh, uh, for the sake of uh, completing the series or owning it, so. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, just having them is uh, is always fun. To me, the Lake Placid series is not one that I consider one of my favorite films, but I do consider it a fun and enjoyable film. And film series, really, because I, I like all of them. Uh, though Lake Placid is the highest quality of the bunch. <laughs> oh, by far. I mean, I'd, I've seen at least those first three ones, and the... Uh, oh, good God, the CG is so bad, like, so quickly. I... Ugh. Did they spend any money on it? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I never watch films like that for the realism. I, uh, I, 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 I out of it. That's my that's my point. If it at least has some cheese, like I, I would have to say that. Okay, uh, big ass spider. That was a uh, uh, that was bad, but it was good too. You know, so it, it's kind of like oh. you got to take your cheese. <laughs> Um, well, uh, I think that's more or less it for the movie. So, anything else anybody wants to uh, br wants to bring up? 
Not that I know of. Anyone else? Got mm. all my stuff covered. Oh, well. Uh, I guess that gives us a pretty uh, pretty lean runtime, just like the movie. <laughs> uh, well, so I have the Shot Factory Blu-ray, like I talked about before, and there's not a whole lot of stuff on it. Uh, like, it's got some good, like, half-hour featurettes and stuff like that, but it doesn't have a commentary, which I would really like to hear, like, Steve, a Steve Miner commentary for this, because uh, I did not realize that he did Friday the 13th 2 and 3, and it's like, Steve Miner, I never heard that name before, and I looked him up and I was like, oh my god, he did, he did those two Friday the 13ths, he did House, uh, the one with the haunted house that everybody loves. Uh, what else did Steve Miner do? You guys remember? Because there was a couple of, there was at least one more, like, big title that was, like, a surprise. <laughs> Maniac Cop. Maniac Cop. He did Maniac Cop? Goddamn. What classics right there. Actually, I've just been watching my house collection, so that makes sense to you. Warlock? Warlock he did? Oh, and that was it. I couldn't remember Warlock for some reason. I still need to find the Vestron Blu-ray that I H2O 20 years later. Well, we... We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are definitely worse Halloweens, you know. And they're all called Part 6, but... Um, <laughs> not... Not the best. <laughs> uh, uh, one thought I had is, like... Wouldn't it have been, I thought it would have been really funny... If, as, like, a secret Easter egg, they just put, like, somebody in, like, the Part 3 or Part 2 Jason costume, like, walking around in the woods in one scene, but have it be, like, off in the distance, like, have it be noticeable, but just have nobody, like, acknowledge it at all whatsoever. It's just like, yeah, he's there. <laughs> like, for some reason, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Well, at least he's still around. He, um, he, evidently, he's doing an exorcist film of sorts uh, called The Exorcism at Lincoln High. Uh, so, it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. So, I'm, I kind of want to check more of his stuff out. I mean, that's, a, that's quite the list of classics that he's got on his resume there. Yeah, we we'll definitely need to get house on this uh, on this one point. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I, I I would have to say. I mean, I I can't I can't say how. I mean, I mean, I remember different pe different pieces of house when I was a kid. A kid. So and the second one because they both have Cheers alums in both of them. Oh yeah, and the the sequels are kind of forgettable, but, uh, although the horror show isn't too bad, but the, yeah. Definitely, we have to cover House, uh, most definitely. Maybe we can do a two for episode or something like that. Uh, well, eventually we'll get to it. So, uh, well, I think that's it, guys. So, we're gonna give our classic outro of just who the hell we are and what else we do. So, I'm Dustin, I'm a horror collector here in Milwaukee. I have my own channel, The Crypt of Horrors, here on YouTube, where I very lazily post uh, collection collecting videos. Um, I'm also on Twitter as The Crypt of Horrors. 
So, follow me and listen to my crazed ravings. Because I waste time on there every day. But I have fun, though, and that's what matters. Uh, I also have an Instagram for the horror collection, uh, DHR Hunter. Uh, should probably also brand that to Cryptophores. Um, you can also hear me on the Pop Culture Weekly podcast, also here on YouTube, uh, with my friends who run the Twisted Dreams Film Festival, which is happening this weekend. We've got Joe Bob Briggs. Come see Joe Bob Briggs in Milwaukee. Do it! Uh, and I guess that's pretty much it for me. You know, I just love talking about horror. Uh, who's next? I'll go ahead. I am Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a body positive horror artist and burlesque performer and uh, model. And you can find me on all the social media pages Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Just search Katie Cadaver, Cadaver with a K. Um, I will be at Twisted Dreams Friday night with Rap at Spider. That's their ne next gig. They're playing the after party. So if you have tickets to any of the festivities throughout the weekend, um, they will get you into the after to the kickoff party on Friday night. So come and see us there. And then I will be with Rap at Spider at Livewire in Chicago on Saturday night, April 6th. Uh, they are sec playing second in the lineup. At live wire like around 8:45 or something. So if you're in Chicago, come and see us on Saturday nights. Jake, Brandon, one of you, go. Go. Uh, I run a channel called Septum Sem versus the World. Uh, we are a YouTube channel that is all about the collection of physical media. Uh, in its various forms, uh, we celebrate that in many different ways, such as pickup videos. We talk about what things are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K, whichever your favorite is. And, of course, we have our various movie reviews and top 15s. Also, we are trying to kick off a monthly series, which you should see on the Movies Galore channel, uh, that we have uh, lovingly called The Wise Guys That Stands Bys, where we talk about gaming-related movies in a similar fashion. Jake? Hi, I'm Jake, and I go by the social media handle called Booty Jake. I frequently guest on Septum Sin vs. the World, and in addition to what Brandon's mentioned, uh, I am finally working through my uh, list of reviews, or my videos review series for Criterion Films. I posted one last week for The Princess Bride, uh, so check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have another one up coming I'll be working on this week. Um, I have my own channel called Wiki Jake. I'm barely updated, but I'm hoping to be much better about it once we get over this nasty cold weather and finally get into spring for sure, which supposedly the next couple days just might happen. So, uh, <laughs> and of course I am also a movie and media collector and fan and yeah. Uh, next to you. Dave? Oh, 
Alrighty. Um, and my name is Dave. I run Inside Movies Galore, but I run it with you all. And uh, lately, I haven't been really be doing reviews. Uh, um, some of you haven't heard my grandmother passed away. So, uh, but uh, stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned uh, for more reviews once I uh, once I. Uh, uh, get back into the fray of things, and uh, also um, uh, coming up, uh, I have uh, paired together with David Sterling on the next uh, Camp Blood Kills, and uh, I believe someone else in this podcast also uh, will have his name show up on the same billfold. So, um, uh, uh, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, I, I know that I'm going to be on both Camp Blood Kills and the following uh, Camp Blood as well. So um, that's going to be exciting uh, anew. So I started producing again so uh at least uh at least that's still going on so um definitely keep a lookout for those two films so in any case uh thank you all and uh, next week we are go uh, going to be doing get out yet we'll let you know find out next week uh, thank you all for tuning in stay tuned for another exciting episode of inside movies galore oh boy <laughs> uh, hi i'm larry this is my brother daryl that's my other brother daryl